Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. All right, it has been decided that we want to hire a person who has made it through our interview process. Yay! So now we must invest the time to have the offer conversation about what it's going to take for you to join us. Now, eagerly, we present our case, we discuss our benefits and perks, and we divulge our rationale behind what we would like to pay our hot new employee. But the only problem is that having this conversation now is too late. When the stakes are low, people are the most open and truthful. And the stakes are lowest at the beginning of the relationship. First conversation is the most important time to have the offer discussion before the interview even happens. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders. Now today is another Rick Solo episode to address the questions I've received from our audience. And really simply, I've been getting numerous questions about offer turndown. So I decided to take that and parlay it into the fact I see three really common offer mistakes. And I want to discuss that with you today. So we're going to break down the three most common offer mistakes that I see. And then we're going to talk about how to remedy them. Let's delve right into the challenges. I break it down into kind of three categories. One is gathering information too late, which is essentially what I alluded to in the opening. Then we're presenting offers based on general assumptions. And then we're going to go into the offer acceptance phase because there's, there's some challenges there, of course. So let's break right into gathering information too late. Again, as I alluded to in the opening, this conversation usually goes on after somebody's made it through the interview process, and now it's become a transaction. So the end of the interaction is the worst place to start developing a relationship with the person you're trying to hire. Now, when we approach the interview from the perspective of it being about us just needing to fill a role, we tend to keep it transactional and therein lies the problem. If somebody makes it through to the end, then we have these conversations and we start to develop the relationship. It's not helpful when you get to the end of the process. The reason why this is problematic, of course, is because candidates feel like they're being sold at the end of the process. Plus you're running your presentation or you're running all of your data that you're pushing back to them on, hey, look at, We've got a role. We're awesome. It's all about me, 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 me. And it's not about you, the person who we need to come work for us. It's almost like, hey, now that you've passed our test, now we're going to actually spend some time to get to know you better. And it's too little too late. Now, what you've also created is a situation where now the candidate only has one thing to shift their focus onto, and that's the money. If I'm focused on the money, because I don't see any other value in me joining your company, what's the comparison tool and how am I going to make my decision? Highest offer wins. And if you are a smaller company and you don't make the highest offer, you lose. That's kind of the first, first challenge is, is gathering the information and developing the relationship too late. The second piece is actually making an offer based on assumptions. Now, again, when you don't spend the time up front to have a conversation with a candidate and understand what's important to them. We start with a shallow focused interview that's not tailored to the individual. We basically demonstrate a situation where if you jump through my hoops, 
then we'll make you an offer and then you can come work for us, which is not a good strategy anymore because we don't live in a world where we make the decisions. The candidates are the ones that we're trying to hire and they're the ones who are in control of making the decisions, which is why you hear all these terms like quiet quitting and which is indicative of people who don't fit the environment. They're not in a job that they love. Again, it filters down into these problems. Making offers that are based on general assumptions, meaning we've hired somebody who's in this role, they're in the same type of position as you, and so you should want that offer because that's what they accepted. Again, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. And again, when we get down to that talking points of negotiating the offer at the end of the process, now we're putting ourselves in a situation where we're just running off of what we assume is going to be alluring to that person. And it's not really based on what is really alluring to that person. And assumptions, they all get us in trouble. And then the third piece of this is the offer acceptance. Getting somebody to accept your offer is not as difficult as we think it is. I think we create a situation in which we have a very, again, very antiquated and shallow interview process. The person is never given the opportunity to lean in to say, hey, look, at I really want to work for your company and here's why. We're creating a scenario where when we have this conversation at the end of the process, we decide we want to hire you. Now we put out an offer and we've created a scenario where you know what, I'm gonna take some time, I'm gonna think about it, and of course, I'm just gonna see who gives me the highest offer. When somebody gives you the, hey, I'd like to spend a few days thinking about the offer, what that really means is, I don't believe what you're trying to sell me, so let me think about it, and if no better offers come through, then I'll probably accept your offer. So the reason why this is important to companies is, is really the discussion that I had with a, um, a gentleman last week was, Hey, look, we're interviewing a whole lot of people. We're making a whole lot of offers and we're hiring some of them. But the problem is that we're also firing them later on down the road. And I asked him, what do you figure it costs for all the excessive interviewing that you're doing and the offer turndowns? Of course, we don't know what the cost is, but it's got to be pretty tremendous, especially in production costs and pulling your people out and having them interview the time you're spending in onboarding them and then training them and then getting to the point where you're handing them off work and then them not working out. Think of this in terms of cutting down the excessive interviewing and gaining offer acceptances along the way. Are you listening to the Higher Power Radio Show? I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find your link to order healing career wounds. Let it be your secret weapon to landing the strongest talent. So we just talked a little bit about what I feel are the top three most common offer mistakes when you're hiring. And I'm going to summarize that again in three things. Gathering information too late, making it a transaction, basing your offers on assumptions rather than what's tailored to the individual. And then finally, getting an offer acceptance, right? So I'm gonna break down each of those a little bit deeper, and I'm gonna go into gathering the information and talk about how we counter that. You guys have heard me say this before, the most powerful tool you have in a recruiting or a hiring process is that very first point of contact with a candidate. I like to call it the discovery call, some people call it a phone screen, whatever you call it, that is the most valuable 
interaction that you have with that person. And we don't take advantage of that because we're all busy. We just want to get somebody lined up for an interview and let other people do the work. The problem with that is that's your first point of contact. That's where you're making your main impression on that individual. You're giving them a very clear indicator of how your company operates. Now, if you operate in a very sloppy manner and your interview process is very sloppy, then you have no competitive advantage and nobody's going to want to work for you. So you're going to get a bunch of leftovers that are going to want to work for you. The first key kind of component to that is understanding the individual. And you want to understand two things. You want to understand what their pain point is and what it is they desire. Now, this I break down into positioning. How is this person positioned? Now, if somebody tells you they want a company within a large organization that has great benefits and perks where they can have a great work-life balance and you know all these other things that is not your company, which by the way, in this first interaction, people will tell you this, then you can quickly filter them out and not waste a lot of time bringing them into an interview process only to find this all out at the end of the process. So we're looking at pain, like does this person have a legitimate reason to move? And then a desire, what type of company the person's going to thrive in? People know. They understand what type of environment they like to be in. If somebody likes to be in a, an environment with lots of resources and that's not you, then don't bring them in. If they like to be in an environment where it's chaotic and essentially they like to come in and figure things out and make it better or build things and that's you, then bring them in. Keep it very, very simple here. But understanding how a person's positioned, you know, the environment they're going to thrive in, the size of the company, the role, the domain, those are very, very critical in whether or not you should even bring somebody in for an interview, right? But it also demonstrates that you care enough for that person to be able to say, hey, look, it, that's us or that's not us. And when it is us, then it puts you in a position where they're going to show up for your interview and they're going to show up prepared and they're going to show up excited because what you offer is what they desire. Now, the third piece of that phone screen is, do I have somebody who's really good at what they do? What kind of impact has this person made their current or former organization? Do I have an A, B, or C player? Look, if you're a startup founder or a small company founder, you need to stack the deck with A players, which is entirely possible. But here's the thing about A players, they will duck out very quickly in the interview process if they notice or they get any inkling that your company is just a fly-by-night company or you run things like by the seat of your pants. A players want to work with other A players. They're attracted to systems. They're attracted to methods. They're attracted to doing things in a way that's most effective. It's not going to waste a lot of people's time. Finding out whether or not they're an A, B, or C player is another critical component that you can build into this discovery call. And again, when you understand whether or not you have a really strong person across the desk from you, then it puts you in a position where, look at, I'm going to make the effort to make sure that they align with what we want. They're an A player. Let's make sure that we get this person through the process properly and we hit what's important to them. That's for our wisdom and actually for the candidate as well. But that's so that we know that we're bringing in somebody who's qualified. Now, I mentioned salary discussions. As you're having this conversation, there's two more components that are really critical in having this discussion. One is, what is your main criteria for a decision? 
understanding what's important to that person before they accept an offer with the company. So I ask a question, you know, what are three or four main criteria that you need to see within an organization for you to accept an offer with them? Completely independent of my role, but it tells me what's most important to that person. It's giving me the clues on how I can structure the offer acceptance so that when they tell me, hey, I'm looking for this, this, this sort of compensation package. Oh, and by the way, I, I need health insurance because of this. Then it gives me the tools I need so I can present it back to them in the proper way. Now, if I don't offer health insurance, I can at that point let them know and let them make the decision on whether or not they want to move forward uh, rather than surprise them at the end and have a pissed off person who is really excited about the role, but something critical to them was not available. And then when we talk about salary, just keep it simple. What are your salary expectations? What do you need? What is it that you'd like to see? And get an idea. Now, some people will say that, you know, I'm looking forward between this and this. I always shoot for the high end of whatever their expectation range is because when people set expectations, they typically are fixated on the top number. If they say I'm looking for between 100 and 110 and you settle in on 105, your expectations are 100. 105 is usually somewhere in the middle where as we have the discussion at the end of the process, you can review this content and they can let you know exactly what it is that they need to get in order for them to accept the offer. That right there is what kills gathering information too late. Because in the beginning of the conversation, gathering this information is critical in one, moving forward to bringing them in for the interview. And number two, whether or not when you get to the offer table or at the end of the process, they accept. And when you have all this lined up in the beginning, it just makes it much easier for an acceptance to happen because you understand the individual. Now, offers based on general assumptions. I see this quite often. Everything is handed off to another person who does compensation and benefits. If you're a small organization, you probably don't do that. You might run a salary survey and figure out what the market's doing. Again, when you've gathered this information on what's important to that person, you need to be able to tailor your presentation on the offer in such a manner that actually hits them on what's important to them. Things like, hey, everybody likes our benefits. We've got a great executive team. We've got a great venture capital partner. We're funded by XYZ company. We're generating revenue by the, at this and we're growing at this rate. Those things may be important to that person, but probably not. We're guessing. You know, just because somebody else that you brought on got really excited about a few key points doesn't mean that this person's going to be the same way. We need to stop putting people in a box and thinking that, okay, well, engineers all like this. Marketing people all like this. There's some general assumptions you can make that can help guide a conversation. But until somebody tells you that, hey, what I really like is this about your company, then don't assume anything. Which brings us to the next point is, is allowing the individual to share what's important to them. So directing your conversations in a way in which they're sharing with you what's important to them, but also discussing what their expectations are, as opposed to, hey, here's what our compensation package looks like. Here's what we're thinking. Allow them to drive those conversations so you can get a better gauge of what's important to them again so that we get to the offer stage, which is the end goal here. We want to get them to sign up and join the company and start and thrive in the environment. 
we've got a couple of different things that we need to accomplish in that offer acceptance. Whenever we are discussing what we're presenting in the offer, throw away all your assumptions and do it in such a way where you're discussing their expectations and question what makes it important to them. So have a conversation with them about, again, I'm gonna use benefits as, as I need health insurance. Great, so what makes that important to you? Allow them to lean in and tell you and listen, gather that data, and then make sure that you store that and make sure that you understand that, hey, look at it. In order for this person to accept the offer, we need to have health insurance that covers X, Y, and Z. If they're telling us what they want and we're able to deliver and they see the value in the organization above and beyond just the compensation, just the money, it makes it that much easier for us to get offer acceptance, which is our next point. A lot of times what ends up happening is we're going to put together an offer for you. We'll send it over to you and then we can discuss it later. I have so many problems with that in so many ways. And the reason being is that offers should be an interactive conversation first. And the letter should just be a signifier that somebody is going to accept the offer. You know, you're going to get their autograph. It's formal now. And it's the step right before you start the onboarding process. Let's back it up a couple steps though, because feedback is the most important leading indicator to getting an offer accepted. Does this person see value in your organization for their career, either professionally or personally, in some sort of way? Are they conveying to you that they see the value in joining the organization? Now, these conversations are not often had, it usually has to do with, hey, you know, the work looks interesting. You people seem kind of nice. So yeah, I'd entertain an offer. Now entertaining an offer doesn't mean they're gonna accept an offer. Entertaining an offer for me is a clue that you haven't done your work well enough to get them to say, yes, I definitely wanna work here. Let's talk about what I need to, to go to work here. You need to engage in a conversation about value. You need to understand what it is that this person desires and then how you can provide them to them in your organization. Now, again, I mean, if you've gotten through the interview process, there's, there's value here, but it's your job to keep that value moving along through the process. Are they sharing with you their why they would like to join? That's really the most important piece. In all the hires that I've ever made in the past five, 10 years, where like they've been really strong hires, the conversation has gone very much like, hey, look at, I wanna join this company and here's why. When you're having that conversation, it becomes a very, very easy transition to get an offer acceptance. When you know the why, now it's just a matter of how do we pace this out? Too often, pacing goes way too fast or way too slow. There's a natural kind of rhythm to the interview process. A lot of times if somebody knows you within the organization, there's shortcutting that happens. Well, you know, Joe, Joe referred you. We're gonna to talk to you for 10 minutes. Hey, you know what? Let's just make you an offer. Let's get you on board, which sometimes that works. And it works based on the fact that you know somebody who works there. But if the person doesn't know anybody who worked there, right? It's just maybe somebody came through an ad, somebody you found on Indeed, somebody came through a referral outside who doesn't work there whatever way in which they came in, you wanna treat this in such a way where the pacing controls whether you make the offer. And those key indicators on pacing is, is this person leaning in to working for the company? 
And when you have obvious alignment between the company and the person, then yes, you can move forward. And the pacing might be right after one interview, but most likely it's not. You know, again, when people are giving you the clues saying, hey, look at, I want to think about it. I'm not really quite sure. I might have some more questions. There's something inherently wrong or flawed in, in the pacing and in the, the data that you've gathered and also in the conversations that you've had. You haven't been able to demonstrate value to them yet. And by the way, this is on you as a company. If you want to attract A players, you got to demonstrate value to them. If you don't, if you just want to fill your roles with people, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I would much rather have you be successful in every person that you hire, not because you got somebody to take the job, but because you got a rock star in each role. You want to get them to tell you what your company offers that is what they desire from their career. When they're giving you those data points, that helps drive the pacing to a quicker point where you can get acceptance quicker. But again, moving too slow and not having any communication kills things. Moving too fast and not giving enough information kills things. And again, those are the things that make it a transaction. And if you want to hire strong people, they're not there for the transaction. That transaction is the aftermath of the process. I don't want to say aftermath. It's, it's the byproduct of the process. You're getting strong feedback. Now let's talk about you want to make an offer. Verbal offers are the way to go. Verbal acceptance is what you're aiming for. Before you make a written offer, verbally have this conversation. Discuss and agree on what the terms are. We want to make you an offer. When we talked in the beginning, you said you were looking to make this. Is that still the case? How do you feel about that? What would we need to do to get you on board here? It's kind of a similar conversation to what you're having right now. The only difference is now you've got value built into the conversation. So they're not looking in under the lens of just pure monetary compensation. They're looking in under the lens of, I get to go where I'm looking to go in my career because of this company. So address anything that doesn't fit into their desire. They're going to tell you what it is they want. If what they want is kind of outside the box or they're throwing in any surprises at the point, you can actually deal with those at that issue. And then simply agree on terms and get a start date. So start dates are super, super critical. Before you even put together a formal written offer, you want to get a start date so that you can put it on the formal written offer. But more importantly, that is a commitment point in which somebody cements their commitment to joining your company. And then finally, the formal written offer letter, super simple. You just want to get their autograph and you want to start the onboarding process. That's pretty much it. So you're getting everything squared away. That should be a formality within the whole offer process, not the whole process itself. So I just want to reiterate key takeaways on this thing. So you want to gather information as soon as possible. Do that in the very first conversation, the discovery call. Don't make any assumptions on what's going to attract this person to your company. Based off your first conversation, tailor exactly what's going to attract that person to your company to the content they gave you in that first conversation. And then finally, on the offer acceptance piece, make sure you pace it out, continuous feedback throughout the process, and of course, get verbal acceptance first before you extend a written offer. All right, I want to thank you for attending this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team. 
Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballon, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the show, please subscribe, review, and share. After all those shows for you, I want to continue to provide epic content for you on a weekly basis. You can also, if you have questions, drop me a quick email at rick at stridesearch.com, or you can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Dustin Reichman. Dustin is the founder of Simple Success Coaching. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard.